0: Hi there, and welcome to episode seven of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I'm your co-host, Matt Larson, and with me is... Cricket Lou. Nice to be here again.
1: It's been several weeks, hasn't it? It's, yeah, it's been, it's been several weeks since our last episode, I believe. It has. I wonder if our listeners, all 10 of them, have given up hope. <laughs> Are they pining away, wondering when their next installment will come? Well, I have had people ask me oh good good well that's that's great to hear and uh I had uh, uh Kent, I think I mentioned this to you in email. I had Kent from Boeing uh call me the last time I was up in Bellevue and say hey i i've I've really enjoyed the podcast, so it's always always nice to get uh that kind of feedback, yeah, especially feedback from people who aren't our
0: immediate coworkers
1: yeah exactly exactly you know the 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 s e s who give me feedback they have to say that right <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I think we should open up our mailbag. Somebody was really disappointed that we didn't call it the mailbag last time. Oh, okay. Well, from now on, we'll call it the mailbag, right? The mailbag. All right. So uh, so when we look in the mailbag, uh, we have a question here from someone who identifies himself or herself as only mysteriously JP.
1: Wow. It could be, could be <laughs> it could be anybody.
0: It could be. So JP asks this. Um, he or she said, I need to set up a slash 20 reverse zone. How do I set it up using the minimum? I assume um, he means the minimum number of zones. He says, at this point, I can use a single zone file for the master with multiple origin statements and multiple namedy.conf entries. This will also require multiple slave conf entries and zone files. Is there a way to summarize this with classful, as with classful subnets? He said, I've seen methods using slash 24 to slash 31 net masks but those don't seem to adapt so that that's his question he's talking about RFC uh, 2137 right? that's right
1: that's right the uh, the technique that I believe was originally uh, Glenn Hermansfelds he was at Caltech
0: right and that's so just to explain that technique which is uh, not answering the question so here we are off in our usual style uh, but uh, in RFC 2137, also known as classless inadder delegation, inadder.arpa delegation, delegation, uh, the technique is what if you have a chunk of address space that is smaller than a slash 24 or what in the good old days we used to call a class, class C. Uh, and then when we think of that from a NetMask perspective, it's 24 bits, a slash 24. The other way to think of it as, uh, is as longer than a slash 24, which is a little confusing because the longer the net mask, the fewer bits uh, that actually belong to the subnet and therefore the fewer subnets that you get. So if you have a slash 24, or I should say smaller than a slash 24, how do you handle that? Because the smallest delegation that can easily be made is on the slash 24 boundary. So like, let's say that I have uh, 192.0.2 slash 24. Mm-hmm. Well, my ISP or whomever can delegate me to 0. 192. Internet ar- in Adder. ARPA and, and away I go. But what if I have uh, 192.0.2.0 slash, oh, let's say 26, which would be uh, eight IP addresses, so from .0 through .8. Now now what do I do?
1: Yeah, yeah. and And one way to do it, which is sort of— uh, the extreme case, I guess, is just to to delegate down to that fourth octet and to delegate eight different zones, one per IP address to you. But then in order to handle that, on your side, you'd actually have to set up eight different reverse mapping zones, one to handle the reverse mapping for each one of those IP addresses, which seems like an unnecessary amount of work.
0: Yes. And for for eight Eight IPs, eight zones might not be too bad, but but what if I had a slash twenty five, which would be half of a slash twenty four, so one hundred twenty eight addresses. I mean, clearly you don't want one hundred twenty eight zones lying around,
1: right? Right. So
0: the technique
1: that that you use, uh, the technique that you use is to have the administrator of uh, the parent zone, so the guy who runs the full slash twenty four sized uh, IANA or dot arpa zone, um, he creates a bunch of aliases. So, for example, to, to go back to to Matt's network, he'd create aliases for the zero address and the one address and the two address, all the way up to the seven address. And uh, those aliases would point to a zone that was under Matt's control. So, uh, you know, I don't, don't know if you want me to reveal this, but uh, Matt runs Um If I were managing the parent zone, I could create... An alias that pointed uh, 0 dot the rest of the reverse mapping zone to 0.kalorlarson.org. and then Matt could add a pointer record to that zone. Um, when somebody tried to do the reverse mapping, they'd get to the name servers that were authoritative for the /24size reverse mapping zone and find that that, in fact, was an alias, and then they would go looking for the pointer record attached to 0.kalorlarson.org.
0: Right, which seems kind of weird to have uh, a PTR record in a forward zone, but all that matters is that it's somewhere and that the place where a resolver is actually looking for it, it either has to find the PTR record, or in the case of this technique, it finds an alias, it finds a C name, and the C name can send it anywhere, including uh, a forward zone. And as long as that C name terminates where there is a PTR record, everything works great. Right, and it's probably worth pointing out
1: that name servers don't even really know what a forward mapping zone or a reverse mapping zone is, right? What they know is, um, I have a query of uh, such and such type and such and such a class, and uh, they know how to find their way to the authoritative name servers that contain the domain name in question and get the answer. But this whole forward mapping, reverse mapping thing, that's really more a resolver's business.
0: Yeah, it's just a convention that we've created, and because everybody agrees on the rules of the convention, it all works out.
1: Right. So so the name server has no uh, restriction against adding a, a pointer record to what we might think of as a forward mapping zone, or for that matter, adding an address record to what we might think of as a reverse mapping zone.
0: Yes, you could name your computer uh, arpa, but that would probably be a dumb <laughs> name for a computer.
1: So, I guess the next question is how, how does this technique, uh, this RFC 2317 technique, apply to JP's question and the issue of dealing with um, a reverse mapping zone or at least a, a network that you want to set up reverse mapping for that's larger than a slash 24?
0: And I think the answer is it doesn't apply at all. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Unfortunately, I, I agree with you. Uh, you really can't use that technique for networks that are larger than slash 24. Is you just, you, know, you pretty much have to bite the bullet.
0: Right, and so let's for, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with this uh classless inet or at ARPA notation and, and using slash notation, and I know that I have to think about it if it's an odd net mask, so his specific example was a slash twenty so uh, a slash twenty in terms of the amount of address space that is that is sixteen slash twenty fours
1: right right, and so he wants so, to he wants to avoid. Creating sixteen uh, reverse mapping zones that look like z dot y dot x dot dot
0: arpa. Right, and I think he's wondering: is there any way to do this well with with fewer than sixteen zones? And and, and let's talk about one way that you could do it, maybe that I think is ultimately not going to work. Mm-hmm. And and that would be. Uh, so I think we're gonna have to give this uh, network uh, a number or it's going to make ourselves crazy so let's say okay. that, that uh he's got 182 uh, dot zero dot0 slash 20 so he would have uh 192.0.0, 182.0.1, dot0 dot dot zero dot one et etc all the way up through uh dot sixteen uh, 15 15 right 15 okay so his parent is going to be authoritative for 0.192.inadder.arpa. And his parent is going to want to delegate 0.0.192.inadr.arpa to his name servers, 1.0.192.inadr.arpa, and so on. Now, rather than setting up 16 inadder.arpa zones on his name servers, he could set up one zone for 0.0. And in there he could put all of his PTR records for all 16 of his slash 24s. Right. He, but could, he could try that. He could try it. But it would be it would be weird because what we'd have is his parent is authoritative for 0.192.inad. And it delegates, let's say, 1.0.192. And so an iterative resolver follows that delegation, and when it queries the name server delegated to, it will get the answer. It'll get a PTR record. But in the authority section of that answer, the name server is going to put the NS records that that answer came from. But they didn't come from a zone lower than in Uh JP would be incorrectly claiming authority for another Zero dot one ninety two dot dot ARPA zone.
1: Right. And that that recursive name server following that delegation uh might well notice that problem, right? It might well notice that in fact uh JP's name server is not authoritative for the subzone that it should be, and it might, for example, decide that it was really lame for uh you know Right.
0: Absolutely, because if you're following a referral, you expect the zone that you reach by following the referral to be uh, deeper in the tree than the zone that gave you the referral. And if you find a zone that is equal to or above, then something is wrong.
1: Yeah. And you could even imagine another type of hypothetical failure. Uh, Imagine a name server implementation that wasn't sort of sufficiently skeptical uh, about following delegation to what turns out to be an authoritative name server for the same zone as the parent, it, it might actually overwrite its copies of the 0.192.inat or .arpa NS records with the ones from JP's name servers and just continually go back to JP's name servers to reverse map anything under 0.192.inadder.arpa, .arpa. But JP's name servers only know about uh, a slash 20 portion of that reverse mapping zone, not the whole thing. So if you were asking about, say, uh, 16 or 23.0.192.inat or .ARPA, JP's name servers presumably wouldn't be able to tell you anything. So you'd be effectively right. blind to that.
0: So I, I think the answer to the question here is that there's really no way around it. You need uh, for reverse mapping in IPv4 anyway, you need zones that are an even multiple of octets. In other words, you, you've either got to have um sixteen slash twenty-four zones in this case, or well, I mean you, you could go all the way to four octets, but I mean that's even that's even worse. That's that's the the case you illustrated at the very, very beginning when you have smaller than a slash twenty-four.
1: Right. So the upshot is that there are really no shortcuts and that you really do need to uh, to have all 16 of these zones delegated to you, and your name server really does need to be authoritative for all 16 of those zones.
0: Yep. Sorry. All
1: right. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Mr. DNS is not a miracle worker.
1: No, he is not. He is not. And he cannot, in good conscience, sanction shortcuts that will uh, impair name resolution out there uh, on the Internet, Right. That's correct. All right. Shall we go on to the the next question in the mailbag? What do we have? Well, we have one that came in from Simon Waters, and uh, he says, Dear Mr. DNS, been seeing a lot of DDoS attacks in my DNS logs, so I wrote a short script to see what sort of sized responses you get from authoritative name servers, and he provided a link. Um, and he says, so, Mr. DNS, what do you think of the lack of DNS response from OpenDNS and ByteMark? So basically, he, he went out and he sent queries uh, to these authoritative name servers around the Internet for uh, various things like uh, the set of root name servers. And uh, in particular, from OpenDNS and ByteMark, he didn't get any response at all. He didn't uh, get a referral. He didn't get um, response code refused or anything like that. He got no response at all. And he says, uh, RFC 1034 suggests answering is generally a good idea as it allows genuine clients to move on, but it doesn't have anything strong to say. I can't immediately see any issues with simply ignoring requests for data outside a server's own zones, although I guess it might interact badly with lame server detection. So what do we think about that?
0: Well, I definitely know that this has come up before. And it leads to religious arguments because there are people who feel strongly either way. There are some people who think that uh, it is inside the protocol and that you must give some response, even if you're getting a query for some piece of data that's completely unrelated to anything you may be authoritative for. And then there are other people who believe, well, if, if I don't know about it, uh, they don't deserve the courtesy of a reply. I don't even want to use my bandwidth sending them an answer.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's worth pointing out that there are a number of reasons that you might be getting, uh, your you being your authoritative name servers, uh, might be getting queries for domain names that are outside of the zones that they're really authoritative for. And some of those are uh, actually malicious reasons, and others are, are probably entirely accidental. So, for example... A hacker might be doing this because he might be trying to use your name servers as a reflector or as an amplifier and getting them to bombard some target out there on the Internet with uh, with these large responses. And this is something that we talked about in an earlier podcast. Um, but another reason that this might happen is because uh, maybe somebody out there, maybe it's somebody who works for the same organization you do, uh, they buy a, a domain name, and they know that you run the company's name servers. So they have uh, that new domain name delegated to your name servers. But then they forget to talk to you about it, or or they tell you about it, and the mail gets lost, or you get busy, and you don't set up your name servers as actually being authoritative for that zone. So it's it, it's not necessarily an indication of of anything malicious when your name server receives queries for domain names outside of its its zones of authority, right?
0: Yes, I definitely agree with that. And since Simon mentioned RFC 1034, one of the uh, RFCs that makes up the core DNS specification, uh, we went and actually managed to find what I think is the spot in RFC 1034 that describes this. And for those who want to follow along, now, don't do this while (laughs) driving. Uh, It's at the end of section 4.3.1. And uh, the RFC says, I won't read all of it, I'll kind of summarize, but it says, uh, if you're sending a query... And uh the name server either doesn't offer uh doesn't offer recursion or uh or they're not asking for recursion. Uh it says you, you need to get one of these responses. Well it doesn't say you need to. Again, I'm I'm paraphrasing. It says uh, an authoritative name error indicating that the name doesn't exist. So that would be an, an NX domain. Mm-hmm. Uh a, a temporary error indication. That probably means serve fail or something like that.
1: I think SERVFAIL would be a, the temporary error, yeah.
0: Yeah, Uh, and then the next option, option number three, is some combination of uh, resource records that answer the question together with an indication whether the data comes from a zone or is cached. So in other words, that would be a a regular positive answer, like you're authoritative for the zone, and here's the answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next option is a referral. Um, And the final option is resource records that the name server thinks will prove useful to the requester. And it's this last one that leads to the behavior that we see most of the time for name servers that do choose to answer.
1: Right, right. This is uh, the the uh, upward referral, for example, that sort of thing,
0: right? Right, right. So if, um, you know, let's say your name server is authoritative for, I don't know, foo.com, and, th- and that's it. And let's say that it's uh, not a recursive name server either. So it's just an authoritative server, and it knows... Uh, nothing but foo.com and it gets a query for bar.com, it will have no choice but to give, if it's following the RFC here, um, what Cricket referred to as an upward referral. And chances are, most name servers today do know the root name servers. I recall in a previous podcast episode, we also remarked that uh, in some cases they're compiled into the name server itself. So for example, right. if this were a Bind9 name server, what it would do is, uh, when presented with a query for bar.com, if all it knows about is foo.com, it's going to say, well, I'm just going to have to give back the best information I have, which in this case is uh, the name servers and the IP addresses for the root.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, exactly.
0: Which is a useless answer, really. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't help
1: the querier at all.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't. and And it's big. It's like... Five hundred bytes I think yeah I, I
1: remember I remember doing some some uh, initial tests and finding out that it gives you about seven x amplification, so you know the query is about forty bytes long, but I think it's about three hundred bytes uh, or it was about three hundred bytes when I just happened to to send that query, but I think it varies as well
0: yeah, so really, what we're using here is three hundred bytes to five hundred or however many it is to send uh, essentially a couple of bits of information, which is, you know, I don't know anything about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think
0: that's where the um, people come at this, not wanting to allow for amplification, Uh, as Cricket mentioned. You you don't want to have a situation where your name server, when it receives uh, N bytes, sends back a response that is 7n and therefore somebody can spoof a source IP address and cause your name server to uh amplify the amount of traffic sent to it. So you don't you don't want that situation, mm-hmm. but yet you want you want to return something at least right now if if you uh if you're of that mind that you think you ought to return something, you you really don't have um you really don't have a good option of what to return. I mean, what what could you return?
1: Uh, to re- to return something besides the upward referral? Yeah. Well, you know the the things that you can return now uh, if you turn off in in a bind name server uh, additional from from cache. You, I think you end up uh, returning R code refused, don't you?
0: I just don't remember. That's that doesn't feel quite right. I wonder if you could return you could return an empty answer, a completely empty answer. So uh, a response code of uh, of zero, which means you know a successful answer, but then absolutely nothing else in it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 possible. I'm I fairly sure though that that if you turn off if you turn uh, additional from cache to no in a bind name server, you end up t- returning a different R code, and I, I believe it is refused as a matter of fact. So I'm not sure how a, a querying name server would. Respond or 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 deal with uh, a, a no error empty answer like that. I, I'm not sure whether that might tickle some some bugs in some name servers, or whether they would would deal with that fairly intelligently.
0: That's the problem. You have an install base of literally millions of recursive name servers. Well, not millions of uh, of implementations. Only a few dozen implementations, if that. But uh, well, I suppose a few dozen when you include all the various different versions of 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 recursive name servers. But millions of them out there, so if you do tickle some bug, uh, it's bad. Yeah,
1: exactly. Whereas I, I, I'm pretty sure that a name server knows how to deal with, uh, you know, our code refused.
0: Right. So that's probably your best option if you want to make an answer, provide an answer, but you don't want to do, uh, don't want to send a, a useless upward referral. Right. Right. Well, I shouldn't. Well, it's not useless though, because uh, this does tie back to our earlier question. Our first question, because an upward referral is how recursive name servers detect uh, lame servers.
1: Right, right. Although, wouldn't wouldn't something like uh, our code refused or serve fail say also tickle that same that same lame server detection routine?
0: I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to actually read code.
1: Yeah, <laughs> forbid. But I think serve yeah. fail would because serve fail, of course, is an indication that there's, uh, among other things, of course, is an indication that uh, there's some sort of configuration error on the name server in question.
0: Right. So philosophically, the other end of the spectrum is uh, people who say, "Well, I'm just, I'm just not going to give an answer." What do you, yeah. what do you think of that? Well,
1: I, that worries me a little bit. I think that most name servers that are are well written, most recursive name servers are, are going to see that, and they're they're going to realize, okay, uh, this guy's not responding. Um, a bind name server, for example, has a, a fairly sophisticated round-trip time algorithm for choosing among a set of authoritative name servers. So if uh, if you don't respond at all, he's pretty quickly going to penalize you and not query you as frequently. But you can imagine a more simple-minded implementation that might not do that, that might not take into account the fact that uh, you're not responding and might just pound you over and over and over again with queries, uh, never getting an answer. And that's certainly not the kind of behavior uh, you want to see in this in this situation.
0: And I do not think that the scenario you described, the pounding over and over again, is purely a hypothetical one. Because when we look at the .com and .net name servers and the kind of traffic we get, we see exactly that. We see instances where there are there is the same IP address asking for the same query over and over and over again. Sometimes it seems as fast as it can possibly send it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and so that, it, that would be devastating to trigger that, be kind, of, that kind of behavior.
0: Yeah, and I, I think what is probably configuring in this case, the, the best hypothesis we have, is something that now now we at VeriSign don't call them this, but I have heard them call this on other mailing lists, uh, an IWF, which is an idiot with firewall. <laughs> right right so somebody who has configured a firewall uh to not allow dns responses back in even though it allows it allows them out so if you've got a recursive name server behind such a firewall uh i guess it it's like walking around in a in a crowded room with a pair of uh, uh noise canceling headphones on right you know everyone mm-hmm. else can hear you talk but you can't hear anything that they say so they just shout louder and louder at you and you keep saying the same thing over and over again and in that case, we have recursive name servers that we we can see uh, don't react well to that. They go, why is no one answering my query? And they send their query over and over again.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I guess, again, the upshot is we can't in good conscience uh, recommend uh, that a name server not respond in such a case. We want that name server to give us some sort of feedback to indicate, hey, I, I really am not authoritative uh, for the zone that contains the domain name that you asked about. Uh, you ought to go somewhere else.
0: I agree, but what would you think of this modification to that? Uh, this would be kind of complicated because you'd have to keep state, but uh, a recursive name server, uh, or rather uh, an authoritative name server, excuse me, if it if it saw repeated queries uh, from, let's say, I don't know, how would you do it? The same source IP for the same zone? Uh, you know, you, you could eventually stop answering them.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that would be probably the best of both worlds. If you saw those repeated queries, the guy obviously wasn't listening um, after you'd already told him, hey, um, for example, our code refused or serve fail or, or uh, whatever. If he kept querying you, yeah, you'd, you'd absolutely have uh, the right to, to squelch your responses to him.
0: So there we go. Somebody should implement that, I think, and give Mr. DNS credit.
1: <laughs> absolutely the mister dns patch
0: well i think that's uh that's probably a, enough questions for one podcast what do you think
1: yeah i think it's it's right uh right at our mean of two questions per podcast well two two that's answers right. per podcast
0: i don't know that i'd go far as two answers per podcast i think i'd call it two questions per podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's right that we read two questions
1: and then we uh we sort of drone on a bit <laughs> and uh, dance around the various answers. you want to take us out? Sure, absolutely. Thank you as always for listening in to our podcasts. Um, we would encourage your questions. Uh, please send them to mr Dns that's mr dns at ask com. and uh, we hope that you'll tune into next uh, the next episode as well so for for Matt and for me. Goodbye. Bye-bye.